What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. But a call! Hey, me! Did you even remember what breaking news was when news finally broke on Monday that Kyle Shanahan had signed a contract extension, John? No, I, I, I completely, I just, I, I'm just in this mode of back and forth and people getting really angry at other people and people wanting people to either be fired, canceled, commissioners, beheaded, uh, who knows, just a, just a war zone. And when you actually get people texting you, did you see Kyle? I, 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 you're just like, what? Was he, uh, was he wearing a T-shirt he shouldn't have been wearing? Did he say something on some you know television station that he shouldn't have said? And then you just get, no, he's got a contract extension. You're like, oh, it's the easiest news I've heard in a while. You know, it's, just, it's an easy story to consume. Yeah, it is an easy story to consume with three years left on his deal. We did a video immediately on Monday. Um, but, you know, we've, we've talked. There are so many elements to it. Man, it's... It's a long time coming. I, I mentioned on the video yesterday I showed you Cam Inman's tweet, but it's just crazy. There has not been a 49er coach that has gotten an extension since Steve Mariucci, which was 20 years ago. Uh, that's, that's a pretty wild stat. That's a Browns-level stat, right? I mean, that's... Yeah. Well, they had some Browns-level coaches, right? Singletary, yeah. you know, Tom Sula. Listen, Chip... Clearly, his resume is better than those guys, but his year with the 49ers was an embarrassment. The defensive coordinator, Jim O'Neill, I mean, it's the worst defense in the history of the franchise. Worst, tied for the worst record in the history of the franchise. It's crazy because Tom Sula clearly was, like, way more over his head as a head coach. Like, Chip is not, like, Chip knows how to be a head coach in theory. Uh, but the Chip year was had three less wins. To me, that little stretch post-Harbaugh was... I, I think it was lower than the uh, than the Mooch transition, just because like it had it was solid. Like you were making the playoffs, Jeff Garcia, but I don't think they were a Super Bowl team anymore. 
just going to the playoffs was still pretty cool. Uh, to me, to go from Harbaugh, it'd be like going from, you know, like a Hummer to, you know, like a, uh, I don't even know. Like those a little, little two-seater down. Yeah. that you can't take on the highway, those little electric... The, the, yeah, that, that honestly on a given day might not start, and then if you you just you might get hit, and you, no seat belts, or you're probably going to die if you do get hit. And even you know, and we'll dive into this, but it's it's all kind of worked out. We think, right? I mean, it's just for as great as it's been, and I think it's been really good. I, we think highly of Kyle. There is a long way to go, right? Yeah, but he's got he's got a long runway. Six years, guy. Six years. <laughs> Nine years in one place. Provided, think about I mean, this guy. It, Six years ago, in 2020, or excuse me, 2014, our radio show started. Yeah, our radio show started like a lot. Six years old, and at that point in time, time, the plan was to do it for 30 years. <laughs> yeah, and now it's like I can't even world imagine doing the. I can't even imagine doing the radio. Can't even fathom that. So I was thinking about it today when I picked up a sandwich, and hoping that like I could. I don't know if Kyle's number, but uh, Kinder, my, my air conditioning is a disaster, and now I owe over $10,000 to make sure that I have cold air. Mm. If Kyle could give me a float me alone or something, but you just you feel like this thing's going to go on for 20 years, and, and it might, but you just you, you never know. And uh, it's going to be a fun ride. I, I, I'm excited. I'm glad he's here, but I think we all, you just, there's just, I'm excited for this year. Hopefully that happens. I mean, who knows? I don't even think they know if it's going to happen. But it's exciting to just know that the Niners have potential to have what feels like, you know, an all-time great coach. Yeah. You know, uh, since since you mentioned your AC, I was thinking, John, I was on a walk the other day, and I, wa- I, I stumbled into – there was a statue of a person. A statue. You know, you don't walk around casually, run into many statues. This statue was over in the Presidio, which for those of you not familiar with the Bay Area, is a uh, it's a park, protected park. And the statue was of a man named Philo Farnsworth. I'd never heard of Philo before. Never have either. No, and he invented something, John, and it wasn't Philo Doe. Do you know what Philo Farnsworth invented? Take one guess. Just the uh, random boats, huh? Boats. No, not boats. <laughs> The television, John. And I thought, now this is a man that deserves a statue. The per- whoever invited guy, invented I, the I, air I, conditioner. I would, I, I would, I would hug that guy. Right. So in in uh, in Hamtown, much like kind of like Nellyville, uh, there are a few statues. Philo Farnsworth, TV inventor, gets a statue. Air conditioner inventor, John. Whoever that is, that person gets a statue. My pu- my pushback though would be. Philo, and where we're at now in 2020, in the middle of June, if I wanted to go get a 75-inch TV, 4K, HD, sweet, I could swing it for 2000 bucks. An air conditioning unit, now granted, it was still the unit that I think when this building was built in the late 80s. So it's a long time, and I've been probably on borrowed time for a while. But when someone goes, what's the price? And you know it ain't going to be like two grand. And they go 11, eight or t- almost 12. Yeah. And you go, oh my God. Your first pushback always has to be, what if I commit to getting it right now? What will you take off? And they go, without hesitation, take off $1,500 right now if you sign. 
you go, geez, you get, I mean, this is, this is a big money maker for you. Clearly, if you don't flinch doing the 1500 and I just did, but God, that guy, well, non-car home. That's about as big as purchase as you can make. Yeah. I mean, when the next person comes along and invents the, the $2,000 AC unit, then they'll, we'll tear down the AC guy statue and replace it with that one. But until then, what, what, what uh, what, how old was Philo when he died? Did you do some research on him? Uh, Philo was 64 when he passed, John, in 1971. I wonder what year the first technical TV kind of, the 40s, you think? Uh, it looks it like, like the, the first 20s, right? TV, uh, he, wasn't, he was inducted in the National Inventors Hall of Fame. Well, I mean, no, the TV got to be strong radio. What you, yeah, what I, do you say, top five invention of all time? I mean, serious? Well, yeah, but, you, but again, like the refrigerator would have to be in the top five. There's a lot yeah. of top fives inventions, right? The air conditioner, planes, electronics, just electricity, Cars. excuse me. Yeah. Maybe you take electricity out. You just say that's obviously, you know, you can't even argue. So many other I, things I came agree. after. What's Deodorant. Rank, I'd say deodorant, soap. Uh, rank. You know, they say actually the female, and I think the male too, is, you know, conditioned subconsciously to be drawn by B.O. So animals, obviously, Pheromo- pheromones. Yeah, yeah. Would you take? It's a. It's not. They're not apples to apples, and really, they're kind of interconnected. Television computer. What do you think was the more important invention? Or would you just say well, it's not I, even yeah, really I, possible to compare? I don't. Because I would say both of them feel like soon they're one. Society the same. couldn't like yeah, today. You get rid of TV. Like oh, I can just watch the TV on the computer. The computer. Probably has created more function, right? You would say 20 years, probably in the 90s, it wouldn't even have been a contest. So it's just the ebb and flows was the way we think about things. Yeah. Um, oh, wish I got to shake Philo's hand. Say thank you. <laughs> you've, you've accumulated a lot of my life has been dedicated to your uh, your invention. I'll tell you yeah. that much. <laughs> Philo and whoever invented the couch. Yeah, the couch. I, I'd rank that guy up. I support you. Mike oh, Couch. Yeah. Um, uh, by the way, this podcast brought to you by DraftKings. Download the app. You've got to go download the app and use the promo code HAM. Go do that. Yeah, download the app. Download the app. Promo code HAM. And when you get into it, get in our game. I tweeted it out yesterday. Guys tweeted it out. I got it linked in my Instagram. Get in our game. You want to play. It's fun as hell. We got multiple games going, but again, you got to download the app. It'll bridge us to football season when I, I know this for a fact, daily fantasy football blows away year long fantasy football. I don't even think it's a question. Adaptability as Philo would say. <laughs> Mybookie.ag. The promo code there is ham and the numeral one. Get on it. We got the Belmont stakes That's this right. week. If you use the promo code ham, you get a free $10. You can immediately bet in the, in the sports book. You also do the ham one. You get a little bonus, 50% of whatever you put down. Guy, we got we got golf again, and thank God for the PGA Tour so we have something to bet on. You got Kepka right now, about 35 to 1. Pretty good odds. Might put a little cash down on it. Also, uh, LinkedIn.com slash ham. Uh, free job posts for healthcare and essential service organizations that need to fill uh, critical roles quickly with the people who help us all. So LinkedIn.com. Slash ham, free job post for healthcare essential service organizations, and obviously anybody else at any time, go use LinkedIn.com slash ham. Get on it. So we appreciate that. Uh, so a couple things, probably before we dive into come, uh, a few of the angles on Kyle, 
one thing we learned since uh, the news became official recording this on Tuesday, one thing that Schefter wrote on Monday was that Kyle and Jed York just kind of sat down together and did a contract. And then it turned out Barrow said they – when did Barrow say they did this? At the Super Bowl right, or at the Combine? No, r- right before the draft. So probably, in my, in my experience, typically leading up to the draft, maybe five to ten days before, the head coach and the general manager, in this case it sounded like just like the head coach, sits down with the, the owner and kind of just gives them their plans, maybe talks some things out. You know, if you're the owner, why wouldn't you want to, I don't know, talk about the guys you're about to draft? Uh, and then clearly Jed – you know, it kind of feels like Jed brought it up. I, I don't feel like Kyle was banging the table. Uh, but then we learned more about where he kind of ranked. Because there were original rumors that his contract was basically six for 42. So he was making $7 million a year when he originally signed with the Niners. Yeah. Uh, and then clearly the last several years from Gruden, Andy's got an extension. Belichick, people are like, I think he makes 12. Yeah, if I had to guess, if you told me, what do you think Belichick makes? I, I'd guess like $18 million, right? If you like told based me he's on a been percentage making, of the gate. But if you just told me he's been making 20 for the last six. I mean, guy, they've they've been in nine Super Bowls. The, the amount of money, like it's just, if he was based on like a sales performance, he'd fly by everyone else. Sean Payton makes huge cash. So maybe they just view Kyle and clearly – you know, they think he's a top flight guy and he deserved to be paid. And the name that you, I read it, but maybe I was skim reading. I didn't realize Zach Taylor, who I don't know, went 2-14 and 14 last year, clearly is not Kyle Shanahan, had literally, I don't think it ever called plays in the NFL before last year was making more than him. That was Well, well Barrows right. wrote this year he was going to make more than Kyle. Oh, uh, the way his contract went or something. But again, does that mean he's making seven? Eight million dollars? Is that well, someone told me? Someone told me last year the Browns are cheap, jo- John. They got like eight people in the whole front office. How are they paying their football coach seven and a half million dollars? Well, last the year, Bengals, Joe, excuse me, the Joe Judge when he got hired, and everyone was like, Joe Aaron, jo- who? You're right, and no one knew who the guy was. Special teams from the Patriots? I'm not Josh McDaniel. Is this Josh McDaniels? Is this uh, Matt Patricia's cousin? Who? And so I immediately get a text from someone in the NFL, and they said. You know, you're shitting on the hire. You have no clue how much he just got paid. I think he got like 7.2. So I, I think the going rate, which is outrageous. That, as that, that doesn't make you wrong. It makes you more right. Well, I think part of it with him was, remember, he was like committed. He was going to be the Mississippi State head coach. So he kind of had that, like, you know, the thing about the SEC, the start going rates like $6 million. And Kyle, do you know what's crazy about Kyle? Like when they hired him, like it was cool or whatever, but I don't think it like kind of got the fervor and the buzz that a lot of other coaching hires, college and pro, have got the last two years. Do you agree with that? Like it was like, oh, Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, but I think, I think part John of that Lynch. Is was, be- I think John Lynch was more crazy or part of the whole deal than Kyle. Well, totally, because it was like, where did he come from? But I think part of that is that the last two years, the the hires have changed. Like I think Kyle is the reason that. And Sean McVay, to a large degree, at least to this point, when he, Zach was, Taylor, he was a boring hire too, kind of though. Wasn't yeah, he? but what I'm exactly, he was a people were really pessimistic about that hire, right? But because of up. those two guys, specifically more so Sean, to this point, now it's changing because of Kyle and his success this year. But I think those are the guys that made Zach Taylor and Matt Lafleur hires seem like everyone you're hiring the whiz kids. When it's like you take yeah, a step cliff. back, it's those guys are just a couple of the jobs. 
Yeah, you know, that is that is true. John, let's tell the people about DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app and use the promo code HAM. This is critically important to the health and safety of our nation. <laughs> Download the DraftKings app, promo code HAM. This is how you have fun this week. Get on it right now. I mean, I listen, sports have been gone for way too long. The PGA Tour, we tip our hat. Thank you for coming back. What better way to keep an eye on everything? Get some, get some skin in the game. We got multiple games going. Haverman threw one out. It filled up. Threw another one out. Right now, we got about 65 openings right now to get in. I got it linked on, uh, on my Instagram. I got it tweeted out yesterday. I'll tweet it out again. We've been all over it. Get in our DraftKings game, but the way to do that is you download the app, use the promo code HAM, use the promo code HAM, and then you can enter our game. It's really easy. You pick six golfers, stay under the salary cap. We're obviously going to do this in the fall for the NFL, which is really fun to play, but I, I was locked into the PGA Golf Tournament guy because I had a, because I had a lineup. If you haven't uh, done PGA Golf on DraftKings yet, we made a Twitter video and a YouTube video kind of giving you some ideas of who you can pick. You make a six golfer lineup it's super easy uh DraftKings puts you in the center of the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes with your first deposit download the DraftKings app now promo code ham this week middle of the action free shot at millions of dollars in prizes code ham you get a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes only at DraftKings minimum five dollar deposit required eligibility restrictions apply see DraftKings.com for details um so there's a lot of different ways to go with this I I think one place we can start with Kyle is are we looking at the next Sean Payton, Andy Reid here for the 49ers? Um, and that is, I think the common thread would be sustained success. Obviously, now both those guys have Super Bowl championships. But sustained success and being unequivocally two of the premier NFL offensive minds, play callers, quarterback whisperers, however you want to define them, those two guys are kind of in a I mean, you got Bill, but I'd say those two guys are in a category that is just the two of them right now, the way they're viewed, right? Uh, yeah. I, I would say while they are similar, they're pretty different when you just kind of dive into the people, right? Sean Payton got suspended for a year, had some issue with pills, had some kind of turmoil in his personal life, got a bad divorce. But like had an issue wise, with the organization too, right? Remember there was a rumor has, he was going to get traded to the 49 Yeah, it's just – he feels a little bit more like the guy he came from, like a Parcells, a little more explosive. Kind of what I think we all expected Kyle to be when we were hiring him. Like, yeah, this whiz kid that's just kind of a dick. And then every, I would say everyone, if you just ask, what do you think of Kyle? He's like, God, I fucking, guy seems like a great guy. I, in my one experience talking with him at the Combine, couldn't have been any more normal. And talking to Coach Reed at the Combine, like Coach Reed was so impressed that after he won the Super Bowl, and remember Andy's getting bear hugged from every angle. And getting thrown, and people are just it's Andy Reid. Like that's where the camera went, and people are just hugging him and his wife. And he's like, Kyle waited for me, and he's like, I, I didn't expect like if I was Kyle and he would have walked off, I wouldn't have blamed him or anything. But Kyle's pretty. He's one of the forty-year-olds that actually kind of carries himself like he's fifty-five and been coaching the league for twenty years, right? Just got it complete under control. But I would say Sean, from a football standpoint, is really his entire NFL career has had one quarterback. Right, it's just been Drew Brees the entire time. Where when you look at Andy's career, Donovan McNabb to basically Michael Vick, then to Alex and Mahomes. Like he's done it. Like his resume, there is no disputing who can Andy. What kind of quarterback can Andy win with? You'd be like fucking any type, runners, throwers, 
guys that are, don't have a big arms, and guys with the biggest full, arms right, in the history of the league. Picked Foles. Pick Foles, drafted Cobb. Like, he can pivot fast. I think we don't necessarily— Drafted Cobb or traded for Cobb? Did both. Well, no, he drafted Cobb, then traded Cobb when Vic beat him out. But he was also the guy pounding the table for Jeffrey Lurie to go sign Michael Vick. I would say that Andy's resume, which Kyle's a little different on, much more open-minded with, uh, you know, questionable resumes. And I, I, I don't really know where Sean Payton falls. Kind of feels a little Andy like that too, though they haven't had that many sketchy characters. Like Andy's had some questionable guys. That's just over 20 years. Kyle's kind of likes his Kirk Cousins and his Richard Shermans, and he kind of stays in one lane, which works for him. Uh, but is he going to have – like if I say he's got 20 years with the Niners – I feel like Kyle would be more likely to have several quarterbacks than just the one. I mean, that's just more than likely Jimmy's not going to be Drew Brees. But and, and Andy hasn't didn't have Drew Brees until now, right? No, like the guy who, that who would, would keep. Yeah, I mean, he had Donovan McNabb for a long time. Yeah, right. Yeah, he didn't have a lock Hall of Famer, you know. But he's also been a head coach a lot longer, seven eight yeah. years longer than Sean Payton has. So it, it does feel like Kyle is a little more Andy-like as a human. Yeah. A little pretty consistent. Basically, what you see every day is what you get. Sean's much more up and down. To me, when I think Sean Payton, how many times have you seen him like things go viral of him screaming at opponents, you know, on the side? Like he's kind of a nut job. Head about to he's pop kind- off his neck. Yeah, I I actually think he's got a lot of parallels with Andy. Now, here's the one thing Andy did for a long period. I don't know a long period of time, but four or five years when I was with him in Philly, he didn't call plays. And obviously, when he went to Kansas City, he got back to – he did it originally with Philly. And then as the years went on, he gave him to Marty Morningwig. And then when he went back to Kansas City, he's called plays the entire time. Wouldn't you be a little shocked if Kyle ever gives up calling plays? I guess you could never say never because he could get a Sean McVay one day, a guy that he really trusts. But it kind of feels like that's yeah, his I, pitch. It's part of what makes him so elite, right? So I, yeah, I mean, and I, it's got to be part imagine. of the fun for him. And so he, he's a guy that's not like he's so in control. You know, one thing too with him, he did not like he was a coordinator for nine years for four different teams. Andy was not a coordinator for nine years. Had never, Sean I don't think Payton he'd ever called plays was, in the NFL. I don't think he had. He was an offensive line coach for several years, yeah. right? Sean yeah, Payton. Tight, and then the tight end coach right before he left. So I, Kyle just has, I mean, he's got a decade of play calling to start, which is just not something that Andy or, now I don't know how that would factor in to give it an up. It, I guess my theory being he's just, it's maybe it's a little easier for him to do all the multitasking given that he's got the dynamics that, of play calling that down. Is, that is a good point. He's always done it. So I don't know. I, I, I do think you're right too. Like now Andy and you work for Andy, you know him well, his stature partly is what leads to kind of the way he's viewed as just like, you know, the big, the, the guy that everybody loves and he's easy to love. But I, I think it is just his personality, everything you've told me and just watching him. When you say though, his resume, also the way people talk about him. Yeah. So kind of speaks for p- itself. his ethos, part of his ethos clearly is respect for the player, love for the player lead the player with love, whatever. Like, that's an oversimplification. And we'll get to this part of Kyle. That was a big question with Kyle, but clearly growing up around players, part of the core, one of the core principles with, doesn't mean Kyle doesn't cut players, doesn't, isn't, can't be uh, 
cutthroat when it comes to putting a roster together. But clearly, you would would you agree? Part of the core of Kyle is just ultimate respect for the player and what the player goes through. Do you agree with that? Because it does feel yeah, like it's just yeah. I, I, I think the the way you're talking about it, like when you're good enough to be at that level for him. Because Andy's the same way. Like, they're all in on the player. But the doghouse, like, they will get rid of you. Yeah, once but, but it doesn't mean that you, you don't get rid of guys. I just think at his core, he just has an appreciation for what it is a player goes through. Yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. And like, I'm not I saying think- that Sean doesn't. I'm just saying that feels like it's kind of central to Andy. And watching Kyle, I think it's a big part of Kyle. Wouldn't you agree that when you say the words pro player, it uh, it probably for most people, they think, oh, he's kind of soft? Yeah, yeah. And I would say they have the both those two guys share something in common, pro player, because more of a respect than it is, I'm just going to kiss your ass, right? It's just we're in this together. Like this is a group effort where, you know, I think sometimes you see different coaches. It doesn't always feel like that. Even the good ones sometimes, I think, you know. And, and there's the one thing with the NFL probably more than the other sports in basketball or baseball is there are a lot of different ways to be successful, right? Like you would say, fuck, I wouldn't want to cross Mike Zimmer. You know, like I wouldn't, Sean Payton coming at you. Whoa, keep, you know, Belichick won't even talk to you. He'll just, you, you'll just get a text like your, uh, your bags are packed, right? And Pete, you, you know, is, is this all-time outlier. And Sean's, wouldn't you say Sean McVay's kind of cut from that Kyle Cloth a little bit too? Yeah. Where it just kind of feels like he resp- the respect level's high, but you also holding you to a high standard pretty talks pretty positively maybe they're just kind of the modern day what you have to be like are are the days of Bill Parcells somewhat over especially as a younger coach yeah I think it's much more difficult but you could I I bet people that were around Parcells when he was super young would be like yeah if we didn't win it wasn't going to work maybe it maybe if you don't win no matter what your style is whether you're a pro player whether you're an asshole it's just not going to people respect when I think you know what you're talking about to help the group and help us as individuals succeed well yeah you're right. right that's there is just a realness to those two guys where it's warmth but it is an understanding that like there's success is the only outcome here right watching Kyle look so miserable through two years of bad football for the 49ers um, we did come out of those two years understanding how competitive he is but it never seemed like he was taking it out in an unnecessary way on the players right he took a lot of blame uh, even though really it wasn't his fault uh, in terms of the way games played out in those first two years when they were losing. I, You know, the other thing is, and Kyle has not had a long run here, but Sean Payton won the Super Bowl year four. He went to the NFC Championship game year one, won the Super Bowl year four. So he got the ring early. Andy lost, what, four NFC Championship games and a Super Bowl before he ultimately won a Super Bowl, right? Yeah. And he lost three NFC Championship games in a row and then lost the Super Bowl. Like, Andy was at this point where people did talk, like, can he win the big one? Are they choking? Can he manage the clock? Andy had to go through a lot of high-level failure, if there's such a thing. It was a lot of success, but he was coming up short. Kyle hasn't had that long yet, but Kyle did get this job after losing a Super Bowl. Had two years that were really bad. And then in year three, it was great, but he also lost that Super Bowl. Now, I don't think people are, I don't, you know, I don't know. I I think the criticism for Andy was much, much stronger, right? And a lot of it was always like clock management stuff. 
But the, yeah, the, to me, the clock management. I, I just I my point that, being is we've just we saw Andy. Sorry, I, just for a long time have to overcome like high, bright spotlight, high level failure if we're going to call it failure. And we've seen Kyle has had is having early in his career to work through. I mean, the kind of failure you'd want. You're in the Super Bowl twice, but I think an element of him is we've seen him handle tough situations really well. To me, I put some stock in big games who you lose to. And Kyle's two historic losses, and I, one of them, he was the offensive co- coordinator, not the head coach. No offensive coordinator, I would say, in our lifetime, feels like they just, he, yeah, he was the head coach. No, he wasn't. If the head coach wanted to run the ball, say run the ball. And it's like, put it on Kyle. Well, it's also Dan Quinn's the head fucking coach. But regardless, they lost to Belichick and Brady. Belichick and Brady, the greatest coach and the greatest quarterback ever. And this year, they lost to Mahomes and Andy. So it's two historic losses. You'd say, if you were going to lose, you're not exactly losing to, like, Vince Young and Jeff Fisher, right? And I look back, I just got Andy's first, like, those that stretch of the three NFC Championship games in 2004. Lost to the New York Giants in 2000. Well, they went to the Super Bowl, lost to the Ravens. Lost to the Rams in 2001. Well, they went to the Super Bowl, right, and lost to the Patriots. Uh, lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2002. They won the Super Bowl. Lost to the Carolina Panthers in 03. Well, they, obviously they went to the Super Bowl and lost in a game-winning field goal. And then they lost to the Patriots. And then in 06, he lost to the Saints that had that great year. Like, his losses are coming to, like, really high-level operations. It's not like, I don't think he had that many bad losses, you know? And, and even my year in Philly. We lost to Green Bay in 2010. Aaron Rodgers, they won the Super Bowl. And la- two years ago when they had the devastating loss, you're like, God, if D Ford, it was the Patriots. Right, I mean, I. So it was five. Me, so it's guys, five, John. He lost five conference championship games and a Super Bowl before winning a Super Bowl. He he also lost. The, um, I skipped one. The Cardinals, the year that yeah. they lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers, on uh, that crazy James Harrison return. He lost to them in the Arizona in the NFC Championship game. Yeah, that's five. So it's like he's losing to like Kurt Warner, Larry Fitzgerald, uh, Tom Brady. Right, just like he's pretty good people. And Kyle, I think look at Kyle the same way. Like. Part of the, that's what separates the elite guys. If you look at some of Belichick's losses, who does it come against, right? Historically, like Tom Coughlin and Eli twice, uh, Foles and Peterson when they were just touched by God, the football gods. You know, some of the years like Peyton, Peyton got them the one time. Like part of the highest level of sports, whether you're Tiger Woods, whether you're, you know, uh, you're LeBron James, whether you're Kevin Durant, like you're going to just have some tough losses, but a lot of their tough losses are usually going to come to someone else elite because they got to be great to beat them. And that's where I look at Kyle going, you know, I'm going to take my chances against 95% of the people. And you know what? If you get Andy Reid or you get Belichick or let's say in the NFC, you get next year Sean Payton in the second round, that's a coin flip game. And if, if I got a coin flip game against the other elite guys, I'll take my chances every day of the week. And that's where I think most teams are like, is Cliff Kingsbury ever going to be a coin flip against, you know, Sean Payton? Or you just start going around the league. Like, is Bill O'Brien a coin flip against Andy Reid? And you, and to me, if you're always like that, it's like you could stay in the slow lane or you could always try to go get a big fish. Because until you get a big fish, more than likely you're not going to sustain success. Yeah. Because you're gonna lose. Well, right? that's Bill you would Walsh say lost. This year, Look who right? Bill Walsh. Bill Walsh lost to I don't know Bill Parcells. Like you're not always gonna win these games. But you would say this year's just this year individually is a great example when he played the two guys we're talking about, Sean Payton and Andy Reid. Went toe to toe with Sean Payton. Went toe to toe with Andy Reid. 
Yeah, one and look one. at a couple of, and like you said, look at a couple, like him against Pete Carroll, both coin flip games. The Harbaugh game, coin flip game. Him against you McVay know, you, shorthanded. Like, when the Niners were bad, he had some impressive performances. I, I know. So I, you know, it's probably a no-brainer just to rip up his contract, give him a new six-year deal. It's safe to say we're bullish on uh, yeah. Kyle Shanahan, but have been since the Niners were bad, you know. And that and that leads – there there is more pressure now that comes, though, right, to be the next Andy, to be the next Sean Payton. Yeah, You're going to win a lot. Part of that pressure he already has from pr- – that pressure, whether he signs the extension or not, he just went to the Super Bowl, right? He has to yeah. prove that. Like, There's going to be pressure, no, no way around it. But once you become the highest-paid guy, like one of the reasons wouldn't you say Gruden – has kind of been shit on these last couple of years. People are like, God, he's stealing, right? That's kind of it. Like, is, is he really worth that You're money? You're saying one of the like, reasons is the money. Yeah, and the other reason is Once you start getting huge cash, been, you don't win. They haven't been close to being good. I mean, we, we do it more. We, we do it more with players than coaches, but I think with NFL coaches, and I'd say college too, once you start making like eight, nine, ten million $10 million, Every time you miss the playoffs, it's like, what are you paying this guy to do? Yeah. But I because so you kind of get you kind of get treated like a player, like you got to produce. John, let's take a moment tell the people about mybookie.ag. Promo code ham and the numeral one. John, did you realize we have the Belmont Stakes coming up this weekend, Saturday? Full disclosure, I did not. But now that it is here, you know the best thing you can do: gamble on it. What? Mybookie.ag. Promo code HAM and the number one. Promo code HAM and the number one. You sign up with our code to also get a free $10 bet to be used on the Belmont Stakes, which is on Saturday, June 20th, obviously this Saturday. It's automatically applied, that $10 bet free, automatically applied with that successful first deposit when you use the code HAM1. The PGA is underway. Premier League is back. MyBookie.ag, promo code HAM, the numeral one. MyBookie is the place to bet. MyBookie.ag. Promo code HAM, number one. Bet on golf. Did it this weekend. Gary Woodland screwed me, but I plan on doubling down next weekend. Loaded field. Uh, You can live bet. Obviously, the UFC's back rocking and rolling. A lot of future bets for the NFL. It's really, really easy to use. Very, very consumer-friendly. I've been using it now for years. They've been a part of the show forever. Uh, We're big, big fans of MyBookie.ag. Again, MyBookie.ag. Sign up. And here's the key, though, guy. They, if you use the promo code HAM the number one, which you should do, which you will do, that's the, what you do. Promo code HAM and the number one. It'll give you a it'll give you a bonus. You have to bet that money to take it out. Like so, if you win uh, on the hundred dollars you put in, but you also took the fifty, you have to bet one hundred and fifty dollars before you can take it out. So you can decline the bonus, but if you want the bonus, more free money to play. Really easy to use. Sign up now. HAM and the numeral one net you some extra cash on top of your deposit. So if it's 100 bucks, they give you 50. That's promo code HAM1 with your first deposit. With my bookie, you bet you win. And most importantly, when you win, you get paid. I think it's probably a good time, too, to go back three years. Like, I think when you look at Kyle in this way, that he got he got paid, right? He's a top five paid coach now because he is a play-calling savant. He is a fantastic play-caller. But he got extended. Like, he put himself in this position just be, in part because he – he answered the one big question we had about him when he got hired. The, the question we had about him when he got hired was not, is he a great play caller? Like, that we knew, right? The question was, is he like a cranky? Like, he got talked about like he was like a cranky only child, like who can't play well with others. And then we learned pretty quickly that 
it's the opposite of that. Like it's it's fine. Not only is it fine, he's really good at being a head coach, right? And so his elite elite skill is the play calling. That's kind of the thing that's out there for everybody to see. But he's in this position, I think, just to be the coach for another six years. Even if he was a middle of the pla- the middle of the pack play caller, he does clearly just have the basic leadership skills necessary. And maybe the play calling is what helps him be a leader. Early on, when the Niners were bad, you know, we interviewed George Kittle, and he explained, and a lot of guys said things, but we got to talk to Kittle at the Niners facility last offseason. He's like, yeah, what everybody says about Kyle predicting plays, and the players believing fully that he's going to get the best out of you because he's going to put you in a position. Like, all that stuff is true. So it, you can't really separate him. Like, his play calling is what part of what is part of probably his leadership because the players immediately respect his ability to communicate the game. But, like, I think that's a big part of this is there was one question about him when he got the job, and it wasn't, is he a genius? It was, can he get, can I, he get along well enough? I, I, I think some I, – I think back in my time in scouting – when and I learned this just from listening to people's experiences of scouting players, they said you had to be very, very careful that an individual you talk to, whether it's an assistant coach, and the way football works, if you have the SEC or the Pac-12, you're going to get coaches that were at previous schools that you're also going to. So if you're in the office with the offensive coordinator at Washington or Georgia, he might have previously been at USC or Alabama or whatever, right? So you're going to go, oh, what did you think about their sweet wide receiver? And there's a chance he goes, you know, I hated the motherfucker. I couldn't stand him. He wouldn't listen. He was a dick. And yet you're like, every other person at the program like loves him. You're like, why? And maybe for whatever reason, they just had a bad experience. And I think when you look at Kyle, the elephant in the room with Kyle really came from the Washington experience. And the farther we get away from it, you're like, you know, feels like Mike Pettin left liked him. The reason he left Cleveland because he hated Johnny Menzel. And you go, yeah, I, I can see Kyle Kyle Shanahan would rather sit out the season than coach Johnny Menzel, right? At that point in time, his career still to this day, he's like, I I wouldn't. Kyle Shanahan wouldn't touch a player like Johnny Menzel with a fifty foot pole. And then Atlanta, it was actually all rosy. Really, that first year, him and Matt Ryan didn't see eye to eye offensively, but they clearly liked each other, right? And I think back, I we had an experience, I definitely, I probably led the charge, of not seeing eye-to-eye with a boss. I'd gotten along with everyone, everyone I've worked for my entire life or with. And that one, I would imagine if you went to those guys for a recommendation, some of the people at the radio station, they'd crush me. Say I was an asshole. I'd say, well, my, check my life resume, right? But if you were just going to that person, where if you were just going to Bruce Allen, the people in Washington, and Dan Snyder, they're crushing Kyle. And Kyle's even said it. Over this year, right, like, you know, we wanted to get Trent, but I thought, hell, no way in hell we're getting that guy. And, and I credit Kyle, even last season, he still crushed Dan Snyder because deep down he knows it's right. Like, I wasn't in the wrong. You guys were the fucking idiots, right? And it's pretty much been proven out as time has gone on. Who are you speaking yeah. for right now, yourself or Kyle? I'm speaking for Kyle. Oh, okay. But, it's, hard to, but I, it's easy but I, to mistake that for something but I can do it too. But I can relate to the sense of... If you just if other people are talking to that person about you, they're gonna hear negative things. And deep down, you're like, you know, if you're gonna listen to that idiot in the first place, you're a moron. One and two, of course they're gonna crush me. I didn't respect them. I was I maybe a little unprofessional. Sure, w- w- should they have be professionals? No. And Kyle, up until this year, which is kind of speaks to, took a sh- major shot at the Washington Redskins. Remember when he was asked? 
what was your time in Washington like? Or how, what, do you have any fond memories? He's like, not one beside the people, you know, whatever his exact comment was. And I, I, I think if you could siphon that out, I wonder if that reputation on Kyle Shanahan would have ever existed. Because I think when he came from Houston, I remember everyone in the NFL was like, God, this is kind of a young hotshot. And then he, even those first two years in Washington, was like, this guy's they just implemented uh, the pistol offense out of nowhere. Kyle, they, Mike Shanahan just sent Kyle out to, uh, to Baylor and to Nevada, and he just learned it. Like, I'd say looking back, it's actually more impressive, right? Same with Greg Roman. If you can just send a guy there and he's never done anything like that and he can just learn the offense in like two months and then implement it and then have success, you could say, Jesus, we should have known right then. But it, the media and the Washington media, and I don't blame them, like Dan Snyder wasn't going anywhere and for a long time Bruce Allen doesn't go anywhere. So you did have to, like, they're telling you things, you just report it. But I, I think if you just siphon out Washington, that's where he got that notion that I, I, I know I thought – and most people around here, if you follow the football, you're like, what's this guy's deal? And he has been, could he have been any more opposite from what the quote-unquote narrative about his personality was to what he's actually been just in the public and just treating people and my one little experience, just actually one-on-one with them? I don't think he could be any more opposite. No, he's been, a, he's been what you'd want out of the face of the franchise, right? And in a way that you think will wear well over time. Um, asked what he loved most about working in Washington. He said, being close to his dad. Asked what he didn't like. He said, everything else. It's well, it's well it, said, subtly it, said. It, it's, isn't it pretty impressive? Shows you that, actually, to me, that kind of speaks to Ron Rivera's got a lot of juice. That's a major shot at the owner, and they just traded their best player the last 20 years to the Niners. Right. Would it put yourself in Dan Snyder's shoes? There's no way you'd want you... to trade Trent Williams to the 49ers. Yeah, you would You would take less to send him somewhere else. The problem yeah. is that players want to play for Kyle. It, isn't it right? a good life John, lesson? The problem is players want to play. Trent just wanted to be a 49er. He don't you knew think it's too, a good li- they Don't you think him. it's a good life lesson, though, like back to the scouting thing of just if you're hiring someone or you're going to go into business with someone, you do need to talk to a lot of people that have been around that person if it's going to be a big deal or it's going to be something financial or it's going to be something serious in your life because one person is just you're going, that person is going to have potentially an independent experience or something I, I don't I don't want to use necessarily the word agenda but maybe for whatever reason they just didn't see eye to eye and you could get some words and depending on who that individual is you talk with like if you're if you're run a business and you're hiring a guy, and one of the companies he worked for was like Apple, and somehow you could like talk talk to Tim Cook, and let's say Tim Cook hated the guy, you would just put what he said at a really really high level. Though that guy, let's just say it was a weird situation for him, and he actually wasn't that bad of a guy. And everyone else you talked to was like, I'm telling you, it was a weird deal. I would throw that in the trash. Great guy, produced for me. You just the more you can do that because Kyle has is a great example of someone that kind of had this thing hanging over him, and it just hasn't been the case. I also think the fact that his dad is Mike Shanahan. Now, Kyle's resume before he became a head coach spoke for itself. I wonder if that was part of that perception, right? This idea that like this, people would maybe go in with the preconceived notion that maybe Kyle doesn't deserve the opportunities he's gotten. Think about his first shot, who the guy was. Yeah. Um, you know, K- Kubiak was Mike Shanahan's guy, right? I mean, that just... And then he was Mike, you know, and then he's Mike's OC. 
So maybe that's a part of it. Maybe it's just he he does speak in a very matter of fact way. When you're a coordinator, you maybe just either a feel less comfortable saying some of the things you can say as a head coach that show your personality. You certainly have less opportunities to do it. It's not really your team, so you can't quite speak as freely as maybe you would in other situations. I think, you know, we watch a lot of Kyle. We watch all Kyle's press conferences. He says things in a certain way sometimes that don't involve a smile, but are funny. Right, like he is. So, and you get kind of to see like, personality. Yeah, yeah. In the, early in his Niners tenure, he's opening the door for the Sharks and just doing all this stuff. You go, okay, you you could see it really quickly. And obviously, John Lynch believed in it because John's the one that called Kyle and said, like, "Hey, man, I'm available." John Lynch doesn't see, you know. So he just a lot of things worked in his favor once he got the job. But the biggest thing was just it was the opportunity to fully be. This is fully his job. He can fully be himself. Um. Well, think think about the opposite. His operation. Think about the opposite end of that. If a guy's crushing it, what if a guy, and the the Niners almost hired this guy once upon a time, Adam Gase, because who was his number one proponent? It was like I'm telling you, Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning is beating the drum for this guy. It's like, hey man, and I'll raise for be the first to raise my hand. I believe in Peyton. If you could hang with Peyton, like you know, you got to get Peyton. And it's just, I'd say it's been a little rockier than. The way the the picture Peyton now because Peyton's experience with him was fantastic and he's kind of like him, but is there a chance that Peyton maybe didn't have the best judgment of what he would actually be as a head coach or what Peyton say, needs is not what most people need. <laughs> maybe that, How about that? Maybe, that? maybe that's it too. Isn't it kind of speaks to? I don't. I remember. Can't remember where I saw this. Maybe you told me this or Phil Jackson was saying this somewhere about Kobe. He's like, I, I really had to hammer home to young Kobe. Like, bro, not everyone can operate at your level. You holding these guys to these standards, this team, it's going to crumble. And like you said, Peyton is just the nuttiest of nut jobs. And he met a nut job. And he's like, this is me, but a coach person. And it turns out, yeah, that doesn't really resonate with a lot of guys, right? So I, Peyton, a lot of your former teammates thought you were kind of crazy. I mean, it just... There's just, and that's what's unique about Kyle for being like this quote unquote savant and being a guy that's all football. It doesn't feel like he overwhelms people with it. He's got this human element to him, right? I, I mean, that's. I, I've never, I mean, I don't know. I, I just know Coach Reed, his hours were just like relentless. I would imagine Kyle's not eight to five, but it does feel like he's, however he's able to do it is a little more. Now he's got a core group of offensive helpers that they're just, they've been working together a while. Yeah, right? yeah. They got a pretty well-oiled machine with his, with his crew, which helps. I think the other thing you feel really good about, I kind of mentioned it earlier though, but when I go back to everything, that's not the play calling, but it's, it was really hard. I got to, we, we talked about it a lot. You could see it on his face. Those first two years for as good uh, some things were that made us feel really confident that he was a good coach. There was just a lot of failure. And he was coming off a Super Bowl loss, and that got brought up all the time. We've seen him answer that question so many times. He just lost another Super Bowl. Uh, in a short amount of time, the organization has had a lot of opportunities to see Kyle handle failure. And that's most of life. I mean, it's, we always talk about it like with baseball. You just have to be able to handle it, and it's certainly the case in football. And, you know, I, I don't know 
with Harbaugh, it was so good so fast. And then it just completely fell apart for a variety of reasons. But I do think if you're a leader, you probably get so much more credit from the people you lead when you are put in a shit situation or when you're dealing with something that sucks. And those are your opportun- those are your opportunities to lead. Like when everything's going great, that's fine, but those aren't really your best opportunities to lead. Your opportunities to lead are a player's brother dies. Your team yeah. is terrible. Your quarterbacks are all getting hurt. Your defensive coordinator is getting crushed. Like those are your opportunities to lead. You're, it's you're, pretty, you're it's pretty easy draft, to do one, to, two, three. You have to kick your first round pick off the team, right? Like those are all your opportunities yeah. to lead. It's 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 much easier to do. You know, one, two, three. Way to kick ass after twenty point wins. You're right. They've had they did have a lot of crazy shit happen to them in a short period of time. That had to, and I think will help him moving forward. Right, just having adversity early on and not having that's probably speaks to the first six year contract. There was like never a question is he on the hot seat or there was no, he definitely benefited from Jed's previous two mistakes. Like he was getting a long landing yeah, strip. Yeah. They were giving he him got a six I'd year, say, you're right. Yeah. He, even if he didn't make the playoffs, yeah. he was going five. Does he get a right? six year contract if the previous coach had been here 15 years and retired? No, he probably gets a four or five year deal, right? Now, if it had gone just like it gone, maybe they fell in love with him. Maybe he would get a six-year deal now, but I'm with yeah. Initially, no. Yeah, yeah it was. It, it shows you the power. I, I do believe the power of knowing what it's like to lose for anyone is a big deal. I, I think in any profession, just because you learn way more to me in failure than you do in success. Like people just like, oh, well, Belichick's had nothing but success for 20 years. Well, Google the Cleveland years, you know? I mean, he did. He had some rough fucking years. And you also know, I think, when you're losing, what is actually working. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to stick with this. I know it's working. I got to tweak this. But this, while it doesn't show in the win-loss, I know it's going to work. Because you never went like, you know, Kyle just threw away the offense after two years and just went to a whole new thing. Like, he was never doing that. Now, maybe they made individual tweaks but I think he knew he was on the right path and it, it was going to work. And yeah. I, I think it's harder to do that when you're not secure and it's harder to be secure. And it's back to what you always say. I, people do not talk about him like he was a nine-year offensive coordinator for four different teams. It was like, oh, just young young gun getting a shot. Like he's Theo Epstein, just 27-year-old. Mike Shanahan's kid getting a years. shot. Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah, nine years as an offensive coordinator. Worked for multiple coaches that were not Kubiak or Shanahan. And – couldn't they would not have gone to the Super Bowl and the, the the Atlanta Falcons if it wasn't for Kyle and Matt Ryan? And even Matt would tell you like that ah, the shit worked right. Made him the MVP. Made it made Matt Ryan's unless they win a Super Bowl, which I think it's fair to say the Atlanta Falcons probably will not win a Super Bowl in Matt Ryan's career. He will be known when he's playing golf tournaments when he's forty five when he's given he just seems like he'll be giving business talks and stuff. Former MVP Matt Ryan, right? That's how he'll be introduced. Former MVP, not seven-time Pro Bowl, former MVP of the National yeah. Football League, Matt Ryan. And tailor-made ambassador, Matt Ryan. <laughs> exactly. Uh, exactly. And, and visa check holder, <laughs> Matt Ryan. Come on down. <laughs> well, so. so so has Jed officially uh, shaken Harbaugh now? I think it's fair to say, yeah. 
I mean, I don't. It was probably the biggest story in the NFL his last year. I just think going back and forth, right? Everything that was going on. I'll never forget. I was at the game, I'm pretty sure. The night that he got fired, you know, mutually departed. And they put out the press release, remember, right before Harbaugh talked. Mm -hmm. And then the next couple years, I'll never forget going to a time. I think you were there too, a Tom Sula training camp practice. Remember when Reggie Bush like got the practice off? And it was like, I'm not sure what's going on here. This this does not look like an NFL operation. And then the Chip Kelly year with the defense and just how ugly it got. And clearly, we said from the jump, how did you – Trent Baalke, who – while him and Harbaugh butted heads, Harbaugh was his style of coach. And then the Chip thing was couldn't have been any more of a disaster. And I, I'll give Jed credit on this because he clearly loved Trent Baalke as a human being. And I think one thing we see pretty consistently is that general managers – in all sports, but the NFL is unique because in basketball, Joe Lacob's going to think like, yeah, I know what we do. We run this type of offense. We run three-pointers. Like He's going to ha- feel like he's got a pretty good idea what's expected of the players. In baseball, for the most part, it's like, yeah, this guy can't hit the slider. Like, it's relatively basic. There's no chance Jed York has any clue what coach stuff's going on because I worked in the NFL and half the play, I got no clue. Like, it's a really complicated thing. But on a basic level, you can talk to the general manager as like, listen, we just we got to work on this guy. We, our coach is letting him down. It's easy for the general manager to have talks with the owner. Plus, for the most part, while the coach is on the field, they're watching the game with the guy. It's it's a very unique setup that way. Like most general managers in the NBA don't watch games with the owner, right? In baseball, most GMs just watch games by themselves in that little room. It feels like that every baseball park has, it always doesn't feel like baseball owners attend games. Mostly. Yeah. That that too. I don't ever see, I never see them in, in, in there's a lot of games that that relationship gets very, very close. And I, you know, Jed was probably viewed Trent Baalke as a friend as much as an employee. And when he fired them both, it was the healthiest reset for the organization. Cause it wouldn't have been shocking. And there was some talk like, could chip be a one and done and Trent's going to get like his fourth coach and, seven years and he just fired them all and listen it it wasn't a direct path to Kyle they wanted Josh but it ultimately led here and this one like you had to like he was on the list the number two guy on the list remember Elway interviewed Kyle and didn't want him went Vance Joseph over Kyle Shanahan so you got to give Jed credit on this hire like he pivoted to the right guy and I and I think at the time it was hard with a straight face to say Josh wasn't a better candidate than Josh or than Kyle, right? He had been a previous head coach. He had written the Dan Pompey article or whatever about changing his life right. and reading positive things. And, you know, just I, – I don't even – do you think Josh is like fluff on that? Like I do think he's serious, right? If you're a high-level guy, you try to improve. Sure. He feels like a more well-rounded guy. Uh, but I – what are the chances – and, I mean, this is a complete hypothetical – that we would feel as good as Josh McDaniels as we do as Kyle Shanahan three years into this. Very match. low. I think it's borderline probably zero. Because I don't I don't know that we could feel better about Kyle. I mean, that's part of the equation, right? John, let's tell the people about LinkedIn.com slash ham. Now more than ever, we need people with the right skills to support our communities, especially the frontline workers who provide resources and care to those most in need. To help, LinkedIn is offering free job posts for healthcare and essential service organizations that need to quickly fill critical roles 
with the people who help us all. If you're hiring for one of these organizations, uh, job posts on LinkedIn can help you quickly find the right people for your front line. Yep, that's linkedin.com slash ham. LinkedIn can help you find frontline workers from its active community of over 675 million members. It's a lot of people, guy. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates for the skills and experience you're looking for and puts your job post in front of qualified people who meet your requirements so you can find the right person quickly filling critical roles. To post a healthcare or essential service job for free, or if you're in another industry and you have hiring needs, you can be in another industry, have hiring needs, visit linkedin.com slash ham. That's linkedin.com slash ham. Terms and conditions apply. I think you could argue that Jed shook the Harbaugh thing when the Niners rate no. You could argue the Super Bowl. I think what's significant about the extension is that Jed is – Mariucci was the last coach extended, but Jed has never signed a coach yeah. to an extension. That was five, six years, even more. Mariucci's last year was, what, 02? Jed took over 08, so – yeah, he he, you know, he's never extended a coach, and I think you nailed it. The Jed's like the thing, Jed's like the Theo Epstein of owners' kids becomes the the managing partner at like twenty nine. Well, John, he's younger than Kyle Shanahan by three or four months. He's forty. He just turned forty. Kyle turns forty one in December. Jed did. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, like, part of this is he gets to learn and evolve, and I think the Tom Sula hire, as crazy as it was, was. This is going to sound – it's a little understandable when you factor not only was – the Harbaugh thing – He was 1-0. He was 1-0, best winning percentage ever. The Harbaugh thing wasn't just Harbaugh. Like, you nailed it. It was also bulky. It was Harbaugh versus the organization, but there was also Harbaugh versus bulky, and then where did bulky fall into this whole thing, right? And it's just such a disaster – Clearly, Balky the whole time had Jed on his side where Jim did not. Right. Right. It's such a disaster that they go, let's just look. And this happens. You just, you usually go polar opposite from whatever you just had. So let's take a guy that was really hard to work with, but he was so successful, we couldn't really tell people how hard he was to work with. Joe Staley, one of the pillars of our franchise, couldn't have been happier that Jim was gone, right? Joe had a rough few years here coming up after Jim gets fired. Uh, in terms of leadership, let's just go with a guy that we know gets everyone gets along with him, and we'll just surround. You know, we got the analytics. We'll surround him with some good coaches, and it turned out maybe it was a little harder to hire coaches for him. And I get where they were going with it, but it was. Remember, he tried to hire Lane Kiffin. You remember that? Yeah, it, it was bad. So they said, you know what? Disaster. Let's cut our losses, and let's try again. Okay, what do we do now? Well, let's hire this guy. He's one of the hot names in the game. And it actually, it went, you look back on Chip here, right? It went really well that first year in Philly. And then the second year, he won 10 games back-to-back years. Forget about the six-win season. Let's go get Chip Kelly. Now, maybe ignoring that he had some of the same issues in Philly that Harbaugh had in San Francisco, right? There was this interpersonal thing. that was, But whatever, let's go throw a bunch of money at Chip Kelly. So they threw a bunch of money at Chip Kelly. And they realize really quickly, this is bad. I don't mean to do a full recap here, but here's where they get credit again. You know, you don't get credit for being wrong, but you do get credit when you're wrong, realizing you're wrong, and just putting your money where your mouth is. Like, okay, get rid of that. And then, all right, now what do we do now? Because the game has changed, and we've got some of these coaches. The coaches want control. 
all right, maybe we'll try and like get like a little all-star team together. We'll get a sweet GM and a sweet head coach and we'll pair them. But wouldn't that's you, hard wouldn't to you do. say the, the, the one thing you learn that's basically impossible unless a package deal is coming. Like it's because a lot of these assistant coaches are not just going to have like Haberman and Middlecoff. Like the offensive coordinator is not going to be like, you know, my best friend, assistant GM Ravens, bring him. That never happens. It's always like, yeah, I got to interview this Gudikins guy, or I, I know this, uh, what's the dude name, uh, Pat, George Patton, the seventh in, in Minnesota, like the same names. Like, let's just Lewis talk Riddick. to these guys. Inter- yeah, you're just not going to know them. Yeah. Like, that was always the easiest so hard part about Josh. Him. Like, Josh, it's like, he'll just bring one of New England's minions. You're like, I hope. What if he doesn't like any of You know, you just, you never know. That's why it's pretty rare for like Andy and Veach, right? Or, the relation, I, I would say that's those guys had known Andy. He was, Beats was his assistant 15 years ago. That's that's an outlier relationship. I would say the relationship everyone hopes for is like Pete and John didn't know each other, best friends now. That's what like everyone's looking for. Can we just our head coach who's just gonna have the juice hire his John Schneider and then that guy becomes sweet and then we just have like this paradise. It just that never happened. Like, hell, the Raiders are hoping, like, Mayock, Gruden, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Right? It's just, well, you just, there's still so much unknown with a lot of these, like, Sean McVay and Les Snead. I, is Les Snead coming down the home stretch? You know, just, you never know. It's, it's difficult. Bill O'Brien can't meet a human being that he wants to work with. Not a human being. <laughs> he can't find one. He literally hired his own guy and fired him a year later. So, the, the relationship... I think that relationship is probably the hardest thing to find in the NFL. Like, it's way easier to find coaches that like quarterbacks or whatever. They're like, oh, we'll hire this coach. He'll bring this quarterback with him, or he likes this guy in the draft. I'd say the the, the GM coach relationship harder to find in football than probably the other three sport, the other couple sports. Yeah, but part of it is then when you find it, right? We've talked a lot about showing your true colors and failure, but there's also this element of kind of maintaining an even keel through success and the Niners they had a lot of success and just everything a lot of things went haywire there were power struggles there were probably differences of opinion and personality match from the beginning but they were winning and so it you know it just when you're winning that all that stuff gets pushed to the back my guess is that that Jed recognized in the first two years of Kyle Shanahan that he would probably be extending Kyle at some point that he thought this is something we got something good here then you go to the Super Bowl and it becomes an easy one right if and you said this yesterday when we talked about it if they don't go to the Super Bowl is he getting an extension right now well I don't know if they go to the NFC championship game maybe he still would have gotten an extension based on being paid less than Zach Taylor but the point is my guess is that Jed York in the first two years realized even though they weren't winning a lot of games we got something here that's different than everything we've had before even though we didn't go 13 and 3 in year one like we did with Jim so yeah I guess everyone could have gone today you know what let's extend Kyle Shanahan if you asked everybody should you do it or should you not you go okay let's just do it but my guess is Jed knew much earlier than today or yesterday or the draft this year I I would agree and that's partly just based on everything he's been through I think the one thing that's really clear right now is that how many coaches in the NFL truly have more power when they walk in the door? Because I would say, beside the one who's in New England, you could make an argument Kyle is right up there for the number two guy. And Andy, to me, when you Andy? Pay, yeah, because Andy lets Veach pick the players. Like, well, you, there isn't, 
But he like would have Andy the could, power, right, to change. Yeah, that. I, I, I get. But my point is, like, Kyle is legitimately taking part, a huge part of it. Like, Kyle is really active. Like, he's the guy picking the players. I mean, John plays a huge role in it, but it, Kyle's they do the have a pretty good sized front office, though, in terms of Peters and Mayhew, and right, they've got well, a lot that, of guys in that. That's where I think you could argue, because Kyle is somewhat younger, that you probably couldn't have a more ideal like John Lynch. There's an insecurity, I think, with just a quote-unquote scout or a personnel man just naturally. You're not making anywhere close to as much money. And that's what I think a big issue with Trent Baalke is you're like, well, this guy's the former player. He's the famous one. But everyone kind of knows my name. But I'm toxic. There's no insecurity with John. You, you, you could make the case that John Lynch, like, this wouldn't work as smoothly with just Gudikins, you know? Or whoever, even though Elway, guy, like, turn, like Shanahan a, and Elway, probably wouldn't have been a great match, right? I don't think. I don't think so. I, I don't think so at all. Ma- maybe Elway one. needs. Maybe Elway needs a guy, and I think this speaks to the one thing with Kubiak. He was older. He was like John, do whatever you want. Like he wasn't into any of that. And now Fangio is just so happy to be head coach. You pick the players. I'll just coach the team. There is an element of Kyle where, yeah, I don't. I, I don't think it would have worked, guy. I, I don't think so at all. And I, I bet John Schneider would tell you, I think one of the reasons he'd go, why I was able to gain so much power, because ultimately Pete truly just wants to coach the team. He's been doing this for so long. He's got nothing as much. He doesn't have as much to prove. It's really what makes Belichick such a machine. Like, how do you care this much still? But he does. And yeah. I think Saban's the same way. And I, you just, yeah, I, I mean, part of it, Clearly, it's easier to extend them when you've just seen, like Jed's seen this guy interact with people. I, I just think the simplest way to look at what would you say Jed's, if we were to make a few bullet points to try and describe Jeb's, Jed's tenure, certainly it's had really high highs, there have been some low lows, but I'd say one of his characteristics to this point through 12 years is he is willing to spend the money to do whatever it is that he thinks is the right thing to do. And so they thought it was chip. Let's make it chip. It's not chip. Okay, let's spend the money on the next guy. Let's just sp- let's spend the money on the extension. And I mean, isn't that one of the most basic things you want in an owner? You're just going to make some wrong decisions. You hope you learn from from them. But if you if you are not able to chase mistakes with money, then it's really going to be hard to compete uh, yeah. because everyone is going to make mistakes. I think some people would counter you. Well, guy, he's got unlimited cash now with the stadium. Which and I would counter them going, well, not every owner would be willing to spend their unlimited cash. And we see it all over pro sports. So you're right. To me, the his checkbook, whether players, coaches, anything that any of them need, I mean we go out to some of these practices and we see the weirdest shit of like this thing you gotta run up and these Oh the hill, yeah. Well not yeah, and just like this wood thing that you gotta like use for rehab. And that to me is low amount of expenses for them. But to me that when you're paying a head coach you know, player money. I mean, how many players on the 49ers, if we Googled it, were are making more than probably 10 and a half or whatever? Kyle, not that many, right? He makes more than Rich Sherman now. Uh, so you just... But I, I think it's also the staff, right? It's like, because you remember when the Niners put their staff together, it's like, so you got Peters and you got Mayhew. Then wait, what's Lynch? You got Lynch? Okay, this is a pretty big front office, right? Like it is in terms of... Exa- they have two... VPs of player personnel. They just, yeah. okay, Kyle, this is what you need? Cool. We're going to spend the money on it. It'll, to me, I'm fascinated to know. 
Just make sure and you don't pull the team off the field when, on uh, on season ticket holder day, please. The one thing the 49ers have had not had to deal with yet, and we won't know this until probably the end of this year, definitely within the next couple of years, and this is what I think really speaks to Andy, obviously Belichick. Uh, when you lose coaches, and I'm talking stalwarts, right? Because Kyle's the play caller, but he goes out of his way about LaFleur's brother and Mike McDaniels. They play enormous roles on the game plan. I mean, there'll be plays in the game that he'll say after. It's like, oh, yeah, Mike, you know, Mike did that. We Or LaFleur saw this with Jimmy on Saturday night. Like that... They play a massive fucking... Those guys are not going to be here forever. Right. I think there is a very, very good chance they're both gone uh, at the end of this year. I think when you say it's a borderline lock, one of them is gone. And his defensive coordinator, which at the end of the day, you'd go, well, you know, Kyle's hired now two LaFleurs. He can he can cultivate another McVay, McDaniels. Like he, I have confidence that he'll find that type guy. And that type guy, whoever the top one is... It, at Alabama or a young guy for Andy or Sean Payton should want to come to Kyle. Like I, I feel confident there, but the hard thing is, and we've seen this with Sean McVay, or excuse me, Sean McVay's going through it for the first time now, but we've seen it for a long time with Sean Payton. Who's gone through a lot of defensive coordinators. Remember kill the head, the body will die. They had to fire him. Then the Rex Ryan. Now he's got Dennis Allen. You've seen it with Andy Reed, Jim Johnson, Jim Johnson gets sick. He has to go Sean McDermott. Then he goes Juan Castillo uh, Sutton, Bob Sutton, and now uh, what's his name? Spagnola. So you just who will be his next defensive coordinator? Like that, you We've could argue in Seattle. That, would that be his biggest hire? Probably even more than the offensive guys. Be just your confidence that he's going to know what to look for in offensive guys. Just that's his baby. Like look, just look at the guys he's hired. Yeah, and I think right? so, some of that right is like they are in part their job is to do for him what he teaches them to do for him. Yeah. Right. No. And, and and again, like you said, Mike Lafleur or Mike McDaniel, when Robert Sala gets a head coaching job, it makes a lot of sense that one of those guys would be Robert Sala's OC. Now we don't know. Maybe Robert's got some other guy he likes, but why wouldn't you? Wouldn't you think part of the package of Robert Sala getting an OC is like I'm taking Kyle's right hand guy, right? Right. And, you, and we're going to get a guy that he might. We might have to replace him in a year or two because he might become a head coach really quickly. But because if I said one of these John two guys guy, might get a head coaching job from the job they have now without becoming an OC, what would you say, John Guy? Do a project. Let's assume Robert Sala gets a head coaching job. Who is the Niners' next defensive coordinator? What would we do? We would look at the Pete Carroll tree and the guys throughout the country in, in the NFL that have run that defense because clearly he likes that defense. But I, you know, who would he? I don't know. Like if Dan Quinn gets fired in Atlanta. Would Dan Quinn be a lock to be his defensive coordinator? I'd say, I don't know. <laughs> you know? No, that could be a little weird. That could be a little weird. Yeah. But that's but, sometimes how it works. No, I mean, but you're right. When you have success, just let's look at who's had success and what the challenges for those people are. You mentioned Andy's. I mentioned Pete's. I mean, there are some basic things. You lose coaches. Your players get expensive, so your drafts become critically important. Like – it's not an accident. The, the Seahawks have had a lot of success. They've drafted later and later. Their GMs become more and more important because their draft picks have become more and more necessary to hit on. Now, the Niners, you know, the one thing you'd say for them is they've nailed some picks. They've already had some misses to this point, and they've overcome those misses. But 
The better you are, the more expensive you get, the more your draft picks are going to matter. The harder they are to nail because they're later, so you're scouting. Like, all that stuff matters a lot. Um, I, I think the other I, thing, like, I've asked you, we were talking about this before the podcast, like, all right, is Kyle the face? Well, is Sean Payton the face? Co-face. Is Bill Belichick the face? Was he with Tom? Co-face. Is Pete Carroll the face of the Seahawks? Co-face. Like, you know, obviously the Chiefs now – Andy is probably Pat Mahomes' co-face, but it's only because Pat is just a super yeah. rocket. But they've got Jimmy. I'd say, the, so I'd say the only true co-face, though, guy, for as great as Sean Payton was, I'd say Drew Brees the face of the Saints. And for as great as Pete Carroll really has been, I think Russell has just kind of surpassed. I think Brady and Belichick would be the only true ones where you go, yeah, Belichick just can't get any more. Like, he's as famous as it gets. So if we're going to really kind of nail down, I'd say Kyle is more the face of the 49ers than Jimmy Garoppolo. I would 1,000% agree with that statement. I'd say Kyle right now, Kyle Shanahan is currently the face of the San Francisco 49ers. Where I would say, you're right, Pat Mahomes is past Andy. Sean McVay is probably still the face right now of the Rams, wouldn't you say? Yeah. So, like, when I think the Saints, I, I would imagine if we just walked down the street, most people would just say Drew Brees. I think you're, And I you're think most people right, would yeah. say Russell Wilson. Yeah. Where you could say the Patriots and be like, God, Belichick, man, he's crazy. You know? <laughs> Belichick and Brady were kind of synonymous with each other. So, it's not, and it's not a bad thing, right? It just, I, I, I do think, though, it speaks to if they're going to sustain success. Like, when you look at Andy's resume with Philly, and I think he was kind of the face with the Eagles – Donovan will still probably went to, if we Wikipedia'd him, probably five, six Pro Bowls. Like, you're going to need Jimmy, and this should happen eventually if you just keep winning. But And we've been saying this for a while on other videos and podcasts. Like it's There is some pressure on Jimmy to start going to some Pro Bowls. Like, he's going to have to be really, really good. Even if he just has, like, a Tony Romo-type run of, like, four Pro Bowls, but clearly viewed as one of the best quarterbacks in his conference, then I'd go, yeah, the Niners, if Jimmy starts going to Pro Bowls, they're going. They're rattling off 11, 12 win seasons for the next half decade. If, if you told me he goes to four Pro Bowls in the next six years, I go, yeah. I'd say minimum they're in multiple NFC Championship games, right? Because that means if he's that good, they're just going to be yeah, winning. or at least they're just you know some some of these moments are just moments that are out of your hands. But yeah, they're they are NFC Championship, Super Bowl level teams for all those years. Because they're definitely going to. One thing is they're going to be definitely be years. And Andy's had this, Sean Payton's had this, and even Belichick's had this, where your defense isn't that good, right? You just – either injuries, either the way you've built your team, you just – you got to hope a draft pick hits and he doesn't. So your dr- defense, middle of the pack, 18th instead of like fourth, right? So your offense just got to carry the day. And that's where I think Kyle comes in. He can out-coach you. He can out-scheme you. He can just figure things out and – He's just got a chance to be an you know an all time great, but they're gonna you know that's just for him to become an all time great. He's gonna have to coach other coaches, teams that are one sided, uh, and he's just you know what's what's fun about this is I, I think it's like a shooting star and headed to the moon, but you got to do it. Yeah. Right. Yep. No, it's it was the battle we had when we did the video about is he a top five coach? It's like well, it's you just how how after three years can you put his resume up with some of these other guys? At the same time, if there were a coach draft right now, I think he's a top five pick lock shoe in, maybe top three. And we made the argument on the video yesterday, 
Maybe you could argue if you factor in age, which why wouldn't you if, if it's a real draft? Could he go number one? Now, that's a whole other debate, but I do think, like, if we listed the things, what are the things that could slow you down, derail you? I think any coach three years in who's had a lot of success, and you would have said this with Harbaugh too, right, is and, – and you'd probably say it with the Ravens right now. That's not really a John Harbaugh. It's probably more a Greg Roman thing. But what happens when the league adjusts to you? How do you adjust back? That's the conversation with Sean McVay, even though we're both big Sean McVay fans. We think he'll be fine, but is he going to be back to Super Bowl contender every year? We'll see. That's where we go back to what we said about Kyle constantly. Is like the guy's been an offensive coordinator since 2008, so the league has had plenty of time to adjust to Kyle Shanahan, and he's had plenty of time to see what the league's doing to his offenses and adjust back. So there's not some big secret out there that everyone learned the secret sauce that Kyle's been sprinkling in, and now the tape's out. Like it's been out. So I, that's one thing that I would put aside. Like I, that is not an element. Probably the here. it'd probably usually, be the reason, probably be the reason to be bullish also then on Harbaugh and Roman just because Roman's been down this road before, so he knows kind of what's coming, right, and what didn't work the last time. Yeah, but Roman has not been in year seven of after it was good for three years. Then what? Right, we haven't seen that yet. Yeah, but I mean, he failed with Ka- Kaepernick that fourth year, so now he's had a couple years of success with Lamar. He knows probably what they're going to do to slow yeah, down Lamar. True. Like he knows what you need to adapt to. At least, at least they can have the conversation. Like when you and my brother, what what, what went wrong in 2014? What do you have to do here? Just like Kyle can have. Listen, once they start taking this away, I know we got this. Kyle's offense and and Romans, you'd say, well, the, still the red flag is it is kind of a niche offense. But I think Kyle's he's got a better offense, passer than he had last time. Who Lamar. right now? Yeah, yeah. Well, you think, I, you know, I mean, he can put up some bigger numbers sometimes, but I think Kaepernick had a better arm. Uh, yeah, it's just I, part of it is their run game is so dominant. He's just getting guys wide open kind of collegiate style, and as we know, that's not always works. Like the one thing about Kyle's offense, why it's really sustainable, we've seen it work for like seven different franchises for 20-plus years because it always has a pitch. Well, it's like, oh, I think they're going to run right. And then he goes naked bootleg. And then you think you're going to run left. And then he runs a throwback. And then he just hits a normal pass. And they just run the ball. They just It's just a pretty I, – I think the offense overall is just built for the long haul, right? It's not it, – it, it's, it, it's like not that – there's nothing really cute about it, right? It's just a solid – it can do everything. It can go deep. It can go short. It can throw intermediate. It can use the running back. It can use the fullback. It, can, it, it really uses every position. And one That's of the, what you feel but good But one about. of the keys to it is it's like it's a car with a lot of cool buttons on it, but you have to have someone who understands where to use the buttons, how to use the buttons. Like, yeah. right? The key to the whole thing being great is that Kyle Shanahan just has an incredible feel for play calling. Um, the other thing, if we're talking about, like, what could derail – you know, changes in we we talk about changes in coaching. Changes in the front office might be another thing over time. That may, that doesn't necessarily mean John Lynch. What if Adam Peters goes and becomes a general manager somewhere else? What if in three years John Lynch is like, "This was fun. I'm ready to go back to TV." I don't know that that'll happen. I, Barrows wrote that John Lynch, a is making way more than Kyle relative to the other GM, so he's not in need of an extension like or a raise like Kyle was. And that I, I was might, told he got over four million dollars when he first signed, so he got like twenty five million dollar contract, which most general managers, I think, guy make like one point five. And the other thing that 
uh, Barrels Joe, Road, Joe Douglas. Might. Joe Douglas got huge money last year. Remember when he the Jets need, were kind of desperate and took him? Got a little over three. So think about and he got and that was massive cash. And John makes more than him, so he's not in the need. There's no question about whether or not the organization loves him because they paid Kyle. Kyle already was in charge, so it's not. This, this doesn't change the dynamic. The other thing Barrows wrote though is he could all. There's there's a couple other contracts coming up soon, like Schneider and Mickey Loomis, and uh, and that you know John Lynch can wait and watch those guys get paid. But uh, do you think? And we've talked about this before. John Lynch currently as we record this quadruple more important now to TV network than he was before. And he was already a borderline hall of famer. Like just his, what he has now just for a casual football fan, being a general manager and working with Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. I mean, if he now goes back and becomes the number one candidate for whatever, like would the ESPN biggest, try to hire him for Monday night football? Yeah. Or Fox's biggest broadcast, you know, it's hard cause you got Troy, but the point is he could be your number one. He could be your money. Yeah, Collinsworth quit. NBC could hire him. Like yeah. he could, and he know. could have worked his way there anyway. But now, but but again, it's like he just might. This is a pretty good job for him. The one thing though I've heard about him is that he doesn't approach this like some eight to five. Like he does work really hard. Now I would imagine if you just follow John Lynch, if you just had like a just a you know a hour-long montage of the last 20 years of his life like not too many naps on the couch you know on Saturdays like the guy is a grinder so the way he probably approached television the way he approaches being a dad the way he approached playing football the way he approaches he's just a full foot to the to the pedal you know red line and kind of every like it's just to him he's like yeah well I'm the general manager what do you think I'm gonna show up at nine but if he approaches TV that way as long as his relationship with Kyle is great how much better is just being in the fight well, for him, I think it's a lot better because I hated it because I hated the feeling of not being able to control anything. Clearly, when you've used to always being in the fight in the gladiator, I, you clearly miss it, you know? And there's something that just draws those guys back. I mean, hell, Gruden was gone for 10 years, and it feels like, God, he's fucking loving this shit again, you know? Even though it's like you just, there's something in these guys and these GMs and guy Mayock. Think how crazy that is. Like, Mike, what are you doing? You had one of the best jobs in America. But he just, he needed the juice. You know, and he hadn't played in 30 years. And John really had just retired when? Like, 06 or 07? Like, he'd been gone basically a decade. And it feels like he just, you know, he's pacing up there when the calls are going. He's screaming, like, call time out. sidelines. Yeah, it's just, it's just who, it's just in his DNA. It's, yeah. it's just part of who you are. And I, I wouldn't be shocked to me, he's much more of a wild card. Like, to me, Kyle's coaching football. He's just too good. Like, if you're Mozart, you just don't stop. You don't just stop playing. Like, to me, John, if you told me in a couple years he goes back to TV or he did something with his kid or maybe he just retires, like, I, I think he's probably a little bit more of a wild card. A little like Steve Kerr. Yeah, but I'd have a hard like time seeing. But to me, Steve Kerr's not coaching another basketball team. I'd have a hard time seeing John Lynch going, it's time for me to take over my own operation and be in charge. Yeah, yeah, that, right. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I'd see like Steve. I could see him just like, yeah, I'm just gonna go back to San Diego and hang out. But I, but I do think probably just like Steve, they do like being in the fight more than they kind of come off like they do in just their interviews. Now, John, John probably does more than Steve, uh, though deep like because we know mean? John's kind of crazy in the sense of just talking about players oh, or whatever. Yeah. Like Steve feels a little bit more just all these interests, but clearly, like you, when you hear him talk, like he's actually more Draymond than you think. And I think John, 
I think John parallels that a lot too. Like John's kind of a Draymond too. And that's what he'd probably tell you is for as great as TV was, and he loved working with Kevin Burkhart and being a part of Fox, it's probably pretty hollow for him, right? You know, making a million dollars. You're like, God, I don't even feel like I'm doing that much. You know, it's great money, and it's like it pays for my golf membership and my sweet house. But, God, I just feel – for me, I'd be the opposite. Like, oh, I'm hogging shit right now, just just rolling over. It just, it couldn't, I couldn't be any happier. So you're saying I can make three times as much, but I have to work 25 times as hard? <laughs> and, and have people just shitting on me nonstop? Though it hasn't right? happened much to him. But he got – I mean, I, I wouldn't say – yeah, I'd say it was pretty critical the first couple of years. Yeah, so I mean – Question marks. You've had, but – I wouldn't say but, he's been shitting on him nonstop, right? But I, I'd also say this is the difference between like the 49ers and probably like the Eagles or the Giants or something. It's just, it is a little bit of an easier landing strip out here for that job. Yeah, and the Niners needed saving. And there was the, an and understanding. The bar, and, the bar, and the bar was low. Things were bad. Bar was really low. Yeah. Wow. Think, how, think how fast just they've pivoted from that Solomon Thomas, Ruben Foster draft. Right, that happened. Their first draft that at the time Peter King wrote that article on Monday after the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, it was like th- th- they're wheeling and dealing. Mm-hmm. They got Solomon Thomas to get Reuben Foster traded back Three a spot. Later, right, that was part of the Thomas thing. Reuben's basically, or I mean, Solomon didn't get his fifth year option pick up. He's not going to be back on this team after this year. And Reuben Foster got cut after he got arrested at a hotel during with the team on a road game, which will I, again, it's never happened in my knowledge, and I. I'll be hard-pressed to ever see that happen again. It's borderline impossible, guy. Like, you just, you're, you're there for 12 hours in meetings and then sl- eat and sleep. You're right. That could have been a defining type moment. It kind of was at the time. It was insane. I remember reading that tweet, like, Reuben Foster has been arrested. You're like, aren't they at the team hotel? And they pivoted so fast. It kind of feels like they've never really looked back after that moment. In a weird way. They've had... I think that is an important point that it's not that it's been perfect. It hasn't been perfect. Far from perfect. They've had to recover from misses. Now, you know, they did, they did draft George Kittle in that draft in the fifth round. So no, I I, I know, no, I know you do. I'm just just saying like, it turned out they did in some ways, they didn't win that draft, but they nailed it. We just didn't realize in what way they did until later because they ended up getting a guy that is a first-round talent. Well, I'll, I'll give you another moment that – were you at training camp the day that Navarro Bowman retired as a Niner? I was there you when he came – we were there when he came back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like with Drew Rosenhaus stuff on the field, then he gave the press conference yeah, or whatever. Yeah. He was there with his family that day? Remember the first first year, like three or four games into the season, it was like, bro, you're not going to play anymore. We cut you. Yeah. They cut Navarro Bowman. And clearly Navarro was not happy. <laughs> It was, I mean, pretty ugly. And then just a couple years later, now again, emotions are high. But still, I mean, I think it kind of speaks to just, if you're Jed, you're like, God, these guys can just handle some weird situations. Mm-hmm. And they're likable. Because Navarro that day is hugging everybody. And you go one, two, three, go Niners. And Kyle's hitting them on the spot. It felt like, God, Navarro wants to kill Kyle. And that sure flipped fast. Then he became a Raider. and Yeah, kind of as it turned out, it just, the it rest of the league over. agreed like with Kyle. Right. right. It was just... He was right. I, I just think it's hard sometimes with famous players, with new coaches. It can be ugly. It, it often is because you have to make big decisions on these big names where at the time, what would every 49er, Navarro Bowman or Kyle Shanahan, be like, Navarro's my guy, right? Well, and of course this, he is. this goes back to what you said earlier where 
the situation he came into, the leeway that he got, the rope that he got, six-year contract, whatever you need, it's your operation, we're hands-off. We're not going to tell you you got to keep famous guys around because we got their picture hanging on the stadium. Just whatever you got to do. Maybe that's it's harder in other situations if you aren't given that from the jump. Uh, you know, the Niners jet understood, like, we just got to let them do everything. We can't fight them on yeah. anything here. It, it is hard. There'll be no leak. Sports. That's the Leak-free. Yeah. <laughs> it's really hard, I just think, in general in pro sports because of just how public the job is. So it's easy to be like, I'm giving these guys four or five years. And then you're just like, I, I can't imagine being the owner. And every day, opening up Twitter, open up the newspaper, or now the athletic, or – you know, just seeing flipping on ESPN, and if you're a major brand, them shitting on you, you're like that. That it'd be hard to quote unquote tune out the news as the owner. It's easier as the coach or the GM because you can just blinders on, live in the bubble. As the owner, you're like, well, well I don't really. Have to, I'm, what am I going to do? Play golf this afternoon? Like, what else am I doing? Uh, VC me. Fly somewhere. <laughs> yeah, maybe buy. Uh, they, they, yeah, let's buy another uh, MLS uh, minor league team. <laughs> yeah. I like that guy. If I had some extra cash, which I don't now that I've just spent $10,000 on an AC unit, it feels like these MLS teams are just a, a budding buy for all these rich people. A League of Legends team. I, I am a big believer. I am a big believer. See, I don't know if I believe in that as much as some. Uh, as I, I, the video game, But I do think that there's a chance in our lifetime. You want a hot take as before we get out of here? Soccer, second biggest sport in America. You sound like soccer guy. He's been saying that for 20 years. Yeah, but I, I'm just saying on, on the horizon, not like 5, 10, maybe even 20. I'm, maybe it might be 40, but keep an eye on soccer. Okay. If all of a sudden Kevin Durant is like the equivalent of like Michael Jordan in the MLS in wait, 15 wait, but years. But Kevin Durant's got to play soccer first. Well, yeah, he needs some uh, – but I'm saying as an owner, right? He just owns No, no, I understand. I'm saying dollars. Kevin Durant, 12-year-old Kevin Durant needs to stay playing soccer. Yeah, we need some stars. I mean, there's again, there's a lot of variables that got to come into play for this theory to be right. You just can see a path, potentially, where uh, where soccer is just a major player. Yeah, they've been working the slow play. And part of that it's, is just... It's been, forget, all right, let's just give up on American stars. Let's just get rich enough that we're paying guys before they're past their prime to come play from Europe. Yeah. You got to get rich, though, because you see the numbers those guys get paid over it's there. It's crazy. It they're not getting $5 million like a Ameri- year. There's one part of... The world's favorite sport that would blow Americans' minds. It blows my mind, and I, I know it exists, right? Which is where they're like, we're just going to loan a guy to another team for money. I wish that happened here. It's too weird for me. It wouldn't bother me, like, playoff runs. It's you way could too just, weird. like, Lakeup could just take some dude from, like, the, he could just loan get loaned Harrison Barnes to be, like, a seventh man for $10 million. That, that would be pretty cool. Or, you know, or like you just loan Araldus Chapman if the Yankees are out of the I mix a soccer or something fan like that. Explain to me, though. Are these guys getting loaned within the same league or from other leagues? Way too many leagues for me to keep up with. That's another problem. I, I, like, I like a league like the NFL, and then I can kind of figure out from there divisions, conferences, and stuff. I can't do EPLs, SFLs. La Liga. This thing. Bundesliga. Yeah, you got to get into this. It's hard, it's, hard to, it's hard to follow. All right. On that note, Godspeed. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. 
You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. <laughs> 